Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Amen. Let's clap our hands to Jesus. He's awesome. There's an old secular song that goes like this. Will you still love me tomorrow? Uh-huh. We'll have it out in just a minute, but you can smile right now. Why don't you smile at your neighbors? That's good. That's a nice start. Happy church, happy life, happy wife. That's how it works, right? Good. We're all warmed up this morning. I am aware of the fact that the world is struggling with something called sin. And the devil is such a liar that he tries to convince us to tell us it's just a lifestyle choice. And I'm talking about liars, right? Liars, people that don't tell the truth, they're sinning. It's amazing how the word of God leads us to certain truths. There is a place in the word that says all liars have their place in the lake of fire. So the next time your boss asks you why you are late, prove your Christianity. So, okay. I want you to say something after me, and this isn't a pledge for life. It's just say this, many profound things. Now, if anybody asks you how Sunday went, say, Brother Walter said many profound things. It's going to be a rough morning, but I think we're going to survive. I'm on the Lord's side. How about you? That's a good way to start. Amen. There is only one profitability for using the word of God. That's for, the Bible tells us that the word of God is profitable. It's for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. That's really not very popular when you think about it. How many of us like it when we're corrected? We don't like that. We don't, you know, sometimes we like instruction, but only if we want to win. You know the difference between whining and winning is just get the H out of the word? That's good. That was, now see, that's profound. Maybe my people in my church are, you know, maybe they're just gratuitously, (laughs) he's so funny. I'm gonna have to amp the jokes up. But the reality is we don't, we may like instruction, but only when we're trying to win. No, you know, nobody wants to just go to the football field and run those, you know, those suicides and then do all those push-ups and do all those crunches and do all the weightlifting and watch your diet, do two a days in the summer heat, unless you determined in your mind you want to win on the field. So why should we think coming to church is going to just be a happy moment? Now the ultimate end is God is interested in our holiness. He's not so concerned about our happiness. But when I surrendered from sinful Ron and let him die on the cross, I found happiness was one of the things that was a byproduct of surrender and obedience. So when I rejected obedience and surrender, I found that I was always painfully going to church. But when I decided to surrender and receive instruction from the Lord, I began to enjoy church. Matter of fact, our church is heading for a pattern of seven-day-a-week church. And though they were reluctant seven years ago, it's amazing the number of seven, they're starting to embrace it. Because we started to understand, man, if we go to the temple daily, 
And then we go and have supper one with another and gladly break bread and gladly eat our meats. Isn't that what the scripture said the New Testament church did? But the difference was they were steadfast in apostles' doctrine. Because Brother Kylie and Brother Cordell, they loved the doctrines of the apostles. The big problem that unbelievers had with the Christian sect when it was born was that they met every time, at the same time every week, and all they did was talk about moral excellence, talk about Jesus, have a meal together, and sing songs. And they thought, what a bunch of weirdos. Remember one guy sat in our church and he's like, man, you guys go to church a lot. And I said, well, let me ask you, what do you do on Sunday? Well, I watch the Packers, I you know, go to the bar, I do whatever. I said, and what do you do Monday? And he went through the same list. And I said, you know, you say I come to church a lot. Let me ask you a question. Why do you go to world a lot? Isn't that a good question? It's like people say, Pastor, I'm having trouble with my life. I don't know what's going on. I'm addicted. I, you know, I, I've got all kinds of problems and, and I feel like I'm out of the normal. And I said, no, God created you to be addicted. We all have addictive personalities. Which one of you broke the pattern and got your clothes on the, a different way this morning? You woke up and said, I think I'll put my left sock on first instead of my right sock. We have patterns and God is a God of patterns. So he understands that we're addicted. The problem is we are addicted to things that have a root in sin. But we are to be like Paul, addicted to the ministry. If I'm addicted, you tell a crack cocaine addict, you can't have it Tuesday. Tell the alcoholic, you just can't drink Thursday and Friday. Tell the porn addict, disconnect your cable tonight. Some of these things you can't go an hour without. Some of them we can't go two hours without. Some of them we can't go three hours without. Why aren't we like that with the body of Christ? It's because we have never crossed over from death into life. We're celebrating a funeral, but we never let the body get buried in the ground because until you're buried with Christ, you can't rise again in what he described as newness of life. It's not the pastor's opinion when he preaches holiness. That's my God's opinion. Opinion. He's trying to instruct us in the ways of righteousness because he wants us in heaven with him. Hey, I'm talking about a God who can change you. He can move you from the mortal into the realm of the immortal. Good, we're warming up around here. Around our church, I usually go spit. Hey, look, I'm in central Wisconsin. People in our town, we don't call them rednecks. We just call them red lives. They've got signs, red lives matter. Oh, see. Can he say that? Put up Isaiah chapter 28, please. Boy, don't they do a great job up there? I always thought that you had to pre-program those people that are programming the words on the wall. Okay, I'm bragging about you. Hustle, would you get it on the board? <laughs> Isaiah 28, we're gonna to try to hurry this morning. Brother Kylie said that you guys are fasting lunch. He wants me to talk through it. I don't know if that was in the announcements. <sighs> you forgot that one? All right, it's, it's gonna go up there, right? Isaiah 28, or is it already up there? Are we, are we okay? I'm gonna have Brother Coral, if you would stand and read. Starting in Isaiah chapter 28, would you read 9 through 16? 
There it is. Brother Cordo, you can sit down. <laughs> Man, that guy's effective. Talk about leadership. He stood, read, it came. Follow him, people. Follow him. He's going somewhere. It's all right. I can preach to myself and be entertained, so we're fine. Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Next verse. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little and there a little. Next verse. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Next verse. To whom he... You guys are showing off now. You were up there before I said it. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Next verse. But the word of the Lord was upon them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little and there a little that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. One more. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Keep going. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with hell, are we at agreement? When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. See, they're being hopeful. We hope that when hell comes in the overflowing scourge, it's amazing how pathetic hell is. I didn't say prophetic. Hell is pathetic. It scares the weak and the infirmed into not serving God. Because they think if I just make an agreement with hell, I'm going to be all right. And he's going to overflow. That's why the Satanists are all duped. I feel sorry for the devil sometimes. Because he's such a loser. And he's so weak. I'm not saying he doesn't have power, but he only has power if you give it to him. Hey, look, if you never look at the bad pictures, are you going to struggle with lust? If you never drink the wrong thing, are you going to struggle with drunkenness? Right. Okay, good. When the overflowing scourge shall pass, maybe he's going to be good to me. So we have made lies our refuge and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Thank you, gentlemen up there. And ladies, if there is one, I can't see past probably the third row. So whoever's up there, would you also please turn John 14, 6. I'll just quote it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have a hard time with with how to balance the word of God in the world and there's no way that you can balance them. It's, it's not created, the word of God is not created to help us balance, it's created to save us from our sin. That's why he left it behind. Where the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Literally that, what that means is when you come into the presence of God, you have the opportunity to make a choice. There's liberty there. I don't, I don't need the spirit of the Lord to dance because last night it was Saturday and if you went to any of the bars or the taverns around here, if they get enough of that old wine, they'll make fools of themselves on a dance floor. Think about it. They combine the space and then they get out and dance. You don't need the Holy Ghost to dance. We don't need liberty to be free as far as just living our lives because there's a lot of people that live really righteous lives and never go to church. I've met them and, and Amish and some of those others, they live very separated without the Holy Ghost. So the concept of liberty is something that we really need to understand because it is where God gives you a choice where you have a choice when you're in the presence of God and wow, did we feel it earlier today. But, but during that time, Brother Meyer, he gave me a choice because until that, all I knew was darkness. Until it, all I knew was sin. In sin did my mother conceive me. 
That's what David said. The culture is naturally that way. In Isaiah, who prophesied the day of Pentecost, he said that the reason tongues are coming is because he's going to show people doctrine. So if they get mad at us for being a doctrine-centered church, we should say thank you very much because we're getting it done. He's going to show doctrine and he's going to release knowledge. But it's only going to come through people that manifest a stammering lip in another tongue. Now there is no guarantee that the stammering lips in another tongue is going to allow you to study doctrine. you got to make that choice on your own. I tell people a lot of times, you are exactly where you've chosen to live. And many of I like her. Many of them have a real hard time with that. And sometimes they'll fight it. Even in leadership, they're like, that's not true, Pastor. And I'll say, well, tell me how it's not. Well, it's the woman you gave me. And I'm like, no, that, was, that only happened once. After that, we all made the choice. We found the liberty of the Holy Ghost, I'm sure, in making a choice of a bride. Now, if you're going to be Frankenstein, so be it. But if you're going to be a lover and a carer of people, odds are that you're going to have a successful marriage. But the reality is we're exactly where we decided to be. Some people say, you don't understand my economics. And I say, have you ever heard of Brian Tracy? And then they say, who's Brian Tracy? I say, he's a guy that was living homeless on a beach in California in an old Volkswagen van. It didn't run, so it wasn't like one of those cool surfer vans. It was, it was just sitting there. It was open, and nobody was using it. So he'd, he pulled his tired old dead carcass into it because it shaded him from the wind and the waves and allowed him a place to at least sleep dry. And one day, a guy in a Maserati drove by and parked because when you, if you've ever been to California on the beaches, it's like you can go through a, a bad part of town, then all of a sudden, there's all of these beautiful homes. Well, the guy drove to his office there and Brian Tracy happened to be standing outside of his old VW van that was broken down and he heard the car go by and he watched it. And so he followed the guy and he goes up to the guy and he said, hey, can I ask you a couple of questions? And he's your typical homeless guy. You know, he doesn't smell right, doesn't look right, didn't really have a mirror. They don't really tend to care about how they look when they leave the house. But he went out of his house and he went over to the guy and he said, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Guy said, what? How do you get a car like that? Guy said, well, you got to buy it. Well, how do you afford it? Well, you got to make enough money. Well, what do you do to make enough money? The guy scoffed. <laughs> and he said, you really want to know? And Brian Tracy said, yeah. And as the story goes, as far as I remember, the guy said, I'm an investment banker. He said, how do you get a job like that? The guy said, well, you got to. You got to go to school. You got to get your your investment licenses. You got to go through all this stuff, and you have to learn how to persuade people. You have to start understanding things. Now, those of you that haven't that you didn't recognize the name Brian Tracy, it's because you don't run in the intellectual circuits of business because he is a world-renowned lecturer now. He still lives on the beach, but he owns the island. And before we're too quick to pull the trigger, well, he must be one of those new age thinkers. Our problem is we need to be a new life thinker. Because Isaiah said the reason that the Lord was going to pour out his spirit, if I'm walking too much, let me know if you've got a neck problem. It's probably because it's stiff. You need to hear rebuke. I'll, I'll pick up the pace to help you. Like a troglodyte. Love my pastor. He is awesome. Uh-huh. All right, we're good. Everybody good? Look at your neighbor and say, it's all right. He's our friend. 
friend. Let's take up an offering. The reason that the Holy Ghost was sent by God was he made a transition of ministry. And God can do that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means he's got all the authority and we have none. So he decided he's going to make a transition. It's funny, he would speak to a political statesman like Isaiah, a wealthy man, well-equipped. It's the same guy who in, in 6 said, you know, verse 6 of his writing, of this, of this book, he said, here my Lord, send me. And then he was revealed that it was a man of unclean lips. And it's one of those really early instances of a coal of fire and interaction with angels. Because the angel took a coal from off the very flame of God and he touched Isaiah's lips and there was a change. And so by 28, we see the prophecy of the church, but by 53, we see the prophecy of the death. Isaiah saw the crucifixion. He's a pretty cool guy. But of course he saw the release of the church first because that's just the way that God works. You gotta be able to see what's gonna happen before you will receive what's gonna happen. So he said, I'm going to release doctrine and I'm gonna release knowledge. That's why we need to appreciate our preachers and our pastors. The greatest spiritual gift you will ever be given is the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Don't worry about going into a quick trip and speaking in tongues so people know that God is real. What you should do is pamper the preachers so they're free to study the word and hear me tonight or today, free to preach the word, to be instant in season and out of season without worrying about offending your sin and then you taking your sin and your resources home and saying, I'm gonna find a church that doesn't preach life because I wanna stay dead. I, I broke that beam on purpose. I'm, how are you doing there, buddy? It's good. A friendly face, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> You see, one of the problems we have with people that preach truth is we want to live a lie. Come on now. We, we, we want to live by feelings instead of by thought. We want everything to be this heart issue instead of a cerebral issue. Therefore, we're like Brian Tracy. How did you get there? Somebody tells us, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost, which is the key of the whole kingdom of God. And we reject it because I'm not sure I want to live that kind of life. There is only one life in God, and it is the life in God. And it is contrary to hell. Don't expect the church to allow you to feel comfortable in hell. We're not designed that way. We do speak with the tongues of angels, but we also speak with the tongues of men. The tongue God gave to correct us, rebuke us, reprove us, and instruct us in righteousness because my God loves me. He's not gonna leave me where I was. Some of us are in the womb, which means we're about ready to repent. Others of us are in the tomb, which means don't talk to me anymore. Speak to the hand, there's no nail cross in it. Oh wait, that, that doesn't go that way. Oh, talk to the hand, there you go. Because the ear isn't listening. Well, I'm sorry because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You gotta hear the word, hear the word today. 
If I am offending you, talk to the pastors here. I'm sure that they'll make it right. I like her. (sighs) But our biggest problem, if you would put Isaiah 28 back up there, our biggest problem as described by the prophet who now has clean lips and who now is prophesying the church. He said, you have a covenant with death. Keep going, one more. You have a covenant with death. No, one more. You have a covenant with death. Come on, Jesus. Well, you know it's in there. Keep going until you see it, line upon line, please. One more. It's important we see it. Okay, one more. Because he's talking to the priest right there. You rule this people, which is in Jerusalem. Keep going, one more. I think it's, I think it's next. There it is, leave that. Because we said we've made a covenant with death. You know why you like movies that emphasize death? Because it feeds the covenant. I'm not really trying to be offensive. I'm just trying to talk about truth. And the reason that we prefer fornication over a good marriage is because we love death. And the reason that we'll allow eyes that should be studying the word and loving our family to wander into the area of, of, of unclothed people is because we really don't want to get out of death. Jesus said, you're dead when you're in your trespasses and sins. That's an identifier. I love Jesus. He identifies everything. Remember when, he, when Jehovah God was going to send the children of Israel to deliverance? Who shall I say sent me? He said, I am. We want to answer their questions with philosophy. Ask me any question about life, I could say I am. Because that's the answer. And if you say, well, I'm really trapped, say, I am, because he'll set deliverance to you. If you say, but you don't understand, our marital patterns are bad, say, I am, is the answer for that. But you're not going to like the solution if you're dead in your trespasses and sins. You're going to be offended at, by the preacher who is preaching words of life if you prefer to stay in your sin. If you ask the alcoholic, do you want to continue to drink? They'll say no. But that night they'll go out and have no power or authority over it because dead people do what death causes. And what about with hell you're in agreement? I tell the story about when I was converted, I was young, and it was just when ACDC was very popular, and they sang a song, I'm on the highway to hell. Man, they, they came to me like an evangelist of light. So I looked around at all my buddies, one of which was intoxicated doing something called the worm in the middle of a lit floor that was pulsating. I was like, oh, this is what hell looks like. I'm just sitting right here. I'm on the highway to hell. Don't stop me. I was like, man, that dude comes to my church. I mean, it's right there. That was. See how quickly they took it down? (sighs) Because you have said your powers have, your words have power. Your words have authority. You speak the tongues of men until you're filled with the Holy Ghost. And the words that you speak The Lord has anointed your words. They have the power of life or death. That's why when you're in the presence of somebody locked in death, they curse and they use the name of Jesus in vanity. 
And they are able to look at a woman and call her names and, and try to see her shape when it's not their right because they're not married to the woman. I recognize my preaching is old-fashioned, but listen, my God's been dead to this earth for over 2,000 years, and the book goes back in 7,000 years of man's history. It's going to sound a little old-fashioned because he never changes. There is no shadow of turning in him what he was, he is, and he always will be. You can count on it. He is immutable. If we decide to stop our praising, the stones will cry out. But he doesn't say the stones will preach because he leaves that to us. Remember, the sound came from heaven, but the words were formed in us. And we began to speak. As the Spirit gave the utterance, still works that way, Brother Corbel. If I'm in Quick Trip, I like Quick Trip. Anybody like Quick Trip? All right, it's Quick, quick Trip support group. Hi, I'm Ron. Hi, Ron. I spent way too much money on Quick Trip. Come on, that's so brave. Come on. But when we start to understand this, it really should change our entertainment choice. It should change our musical selections. The reason that we are tired and bored when we read the word of God is because it's only about life stuff. I want to study death. Will you still love me tomorrow? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the neat thing about this is hidden in this is there's a covenant. Look at that. Because we have said we have, a, we have made a covenant with death. A covenant literally in this case means to, the agreement of two separate pieces of flesh. So when you understand this, you are covenanting with the original Adam. Because he allowed death to enter. Remember, the Lord said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil, in that day you shall surely die. Through Eve, Adam made the decision to allow death into the human race because a part of the curse was now you will not live forever on earth, but you will have a timeline by which you can choose where you will live after that. Because Adam made a choice to allow death into our universe here, we have to now make a choice to live the way God intended, only eating the tree of good. We need to make that choice so we can live forever with him. If I said, how many of you want to go to heaven? Wow, that sounds great. Right? How many of you want to separate from sin? I wanted to requalify myself so some people didn't say I was just a hangover effect, you know. Are you, are you hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church? This is the day for us to shine the brightest. How do we shine the brightest? We live. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. We want his word alone to be light. But Brother Coral and Brother Kylie, it's got to become flesh. Since it was released when he said, and the word became flesh, that's a transition for God. He transitioned it now. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, you're the light of the world. He didn't say, I'm the light of the world, show me to everybody. He said, you're the light of the world. You want to know why? Because the life you're going to live in Christ is going to be so bright that people will see it. 
And then they'll ask you about the hope that lies in you. The reason Christians are hopeless is because we still have a covenant with death. Isn't that fun? You're exactly where you thought you would be. Brian Tracy espouses the idea that Socrates gave us that if you want to change a man's life, you have to change a man's thoughts. Why do you think, you know, Jesus wanted to intrude on our reading of Sports Illustrated when he said, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman. No, what he wanted us to do is learn the instruction of life so that when we leave our doors, her hand is in my hand. I'm moving forward. She's covering the backside of it. And we're moving forward and our children are the light because we have given them a way to live. Jesus Christ is a lifestyle, not a religion. That's why we need to appreciate our preachers because they, think about it, they stand up in a funeral every week and try to be happy. Oh yeah, you got it, I could tell you got it. John chapter three is such a beautiful chapter. Because the Bible says the ruler of the Jews comes at night, Nicodemus. He had, he had religious authority. And he said, we know you are a man sent from God. Wow, what a revelation. He saw that the flesh of Jesus, the body of Christ, was blessed. Now, we are the body of Christ. There's many members, but we're the body. But this is a ruler of religion speaking prophetically. We know that the flesh you carry is sent from God because no man can do these works except God be with him. Now that's a little different than what Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. So Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, guess what, Peter, because of your revelation, my church is gonna be tougher than hell. Did he say that? I asked them to go to John 3, rebels. Remember Isaiah 28? You have a covenant with death and with hell you're in agreement. That's why Jesus said, you know what, Peter? Upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You wanna know why? Because you got the language of men that now is anointed and you speak the language of angels. That's why we don't look like the world. We act like them, I mean, we dance. More weird than that. They'd rather have uh, you know, us go out on the dance floor and bump and thump. Can I say that in church? I don't know. Brother Kylie didn't say no. We're okay. We're fine. But a covenant is agreement with flesh. So until we decide to separate from darkness and sin, we're not really living. That's why you live with anger and malice and hatred and violence. Remember the two things that triggered the destruction of flesh? You'll read about them in Genesis. It was the fact that the sons of God looked at the daughters of men and saw they were fair. And then violence covered the whole earth. And God said, I'm done. Because if they start lusting with their eyes and enjoying violence, the whole culture is gone anyway. I'm gonna kill all flesh. But there was one guy and his name was Noah. And the Bible says he was perfect. 
Jesus said, be ye perfect as I am perfect. Well, we can't do that. The culture's all filled with sin. Well, our culture's not getting bombarded by water right now. It can't be that bad. It was worse in his day. And yet, he made his perfection known to God. And because of that, grace fell. Let me tell you something. Don't let toxic pulpits tell you that grace whitewashes all of your sin and you're still going to heaven. I heard a radio evangelist say you could still commit adultery. You could still commit fornication. And you're just not going to inherit everything, but you still get to go to heaven. And if I told you his name, you'd be shocked because a lot of us listen to him. See, we're real quiet today. I hope it's because we're thinking and not that we're stinking. That's funny. Children today, kids, families are bombarded by hell. It's crazy. I mean, they used to, we were talking about backmasking. That used to be a big thing. Now they don't even care. They used to say in back what did they just say? Worship Satan. Now they pay big money, a hundred bucks a ticket to go hear them say worship Satan. And then the kids are in the, they're like doing, is that the I love you one or is that the, I don't want to do the other one, but you know, they're doing this. There's no thumb. Okay, whatever they're doing, it's a form of worship. And we wonder why they are trying to silence our testimony. We're wondering why they're trying to intimidate us to live a life of darkness. Why is it that darkness continues to compress upon light? It's because it recognizes its position of weakness if we release the life. If we really release the life that is in Christ, the world will see it. And hell has no power. Hell has no power. I'm going to digress into a story when, when things were going haywire in my, in my ministry. There's, there's verses that kind of imply that if you do the word right, your house will not fall. And I struggled with that because my house fell and great was the fall of it. And, and as it was happening, I had, to, I had to really dig down to find the will of God, whether I take an easy exit and then be in compliance with the expectations of people or I follow the Lord into a path of death and destruction because I was going to go through a divorce as a pastor. And it would have been very easy to separate from ministry and move into the helpful arms of my brothers that were trying to comfort me. Come, take a position at our church. We've watched you over time. We know it's not you, it's just a decision and that's the problem with divorce. It takes two people to be married but only one to get a divorce. You gotta have both people on board and you gotta balance it right to have the life of Christ. I'm thankful for my sweetheart. She really took a risk by joining with me. She got, had four beautiful children and she had to trust I wouldn't ruin it. That's a tough, that's a tough choice. Now I know, you know, everybody looks at me and say, well, with you, it was an easy bet, Brother Walters. I mean, you're just so wonderful. Well, she, she really knows me. But you see, what happened after that is I recognized the root source of it because I found satanic writing in my house. And I was wondering why, now that I was alone, that I would sleep and I would see people circling my house. And one night, they tried to get in the front door. <laughs> I was like, well, that's weird. Hey, how you, how you doing out there? You know, are you looking for Jesus? Oh, no. You're trying to just intimidate light? 
I would get phone calls. Guys playing the drums and... So I was like, dude, just don't back mask. Tell me what you really want here. I hang the phone up. I mean, I was walking down the streets. They would come up to me in the street, brother. You know, one of the guys came to me before it all happened. He said, I want to prophesy to you. I was like, who are you? My father would say unto you. I mean, it happened in a McDonald's parking lot. I'm going to perform the ultimate divorce in your church. I was like, see you later. They knew that there was a stronghold that they had broken through. I had no control over it. But it didn't stop at the point of the divorce. I remember one time a Harley Davidson drove up outside of my house. And I like Harleys. I don't own one yet. My wife won't allow me to. But I do like them. So if somebody has one you want to give away, I'm sure she would accept charity. Poor Brother Walters. But I started walking towards the door because I knew what was going to happen. Open the door. The guy looks at me. I was like, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh, you've gone through divorce and still no wife. I was like, see ya. Shut the door. They were very interested in trying to intimidate light. Now, I'm one of those guys, if you tell me it can't be done, we'll figure out a way. Like, how did all this come here? It came here because of brother and sister Kylie. And all of the hard workers that joined in the vision that they had. How's it going to go to the next place? It's because Brother Kylie has found someone that he trusts and is investing in. Brother Coral and Sister Coral are going to help this to continue on. That's how it works with encouragement in the body of Christ. They've got a complete yoking. I happened to land into a city that was founded on a spirit of chaos. I didn't research it before I got there. But I found out it's still home. And so every time we would have someone come in and receive the Holy Ghost, it was weird because they would find the same people would visit them at their houses. They would receive the Holy Ghost and get baptized and nobody knew where they lived, but those demonic people would find their house. And one time, the guy that prophesied my divorce, there was a new convert, talented, powerful, amazing, walking down the street and who was walking beside him but the demoniac. I'm driving this way and I find out he's a warlock, but I'm driving this way. He's walking this way. The new convert is here. And as I drive past him, he turns around and he goes... Now, I'm, I'm a little exhausted. I'm fighting the courts. I'm fighting all these problems. But there's just something about Satan. When he tries to intimidate light, he's afraid of something. So I went to the YMCA and trying to avoid cortisol poisoning. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, it's a fight or flight hormone that the body puts into the stomach to give you that urge to run. And I went to the YMCA because I found out exercise eliminates it. So I was exercising fervently. Well, I went into workout and I came out. Wouldn't you know the demoniacs leaning against my car with the new convert? What would you do? I walked up. Hey. How are you guys doing? New convert says, Pastor, I really want to introduce you to this guy. Steve, he said, he's really knowledgeable of the scripture. And he's truly a spiritual man. So I looked at the convert. I said, would you please step away? He did. The demoniac stood up and he said, do you want me to prophesy what's next in your life? I said, no, as a matter of fact, I'm going to prophesy what's next in your life. He said, what do you mean? I said, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, because when I fall, 
I shall arise. And the guy reacted. He started to move back. The new convert's like, Pastor, what are you doing? I said, I'm not done yet. I said, he is not of God. I said, in the name of Jesus. Now we're in the Y parking lot. People are going back and forth, but this is the seed of Satan's power and authority. He is the guy. He said he had a 35-foot angel that wanted to tell me the rest of my life. And I said, I'm just going to tell you the future of yours. Hell fire never is quenched. And then I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And I promise you, as Brother Mallory says, the Lord is my witness. In the wide parking lot, the guy went, ooh. And I said, further, I renounce your God and I call you to move away from the property of the Lord. Within about seven minutes, he was out of the parking lot. The new convert was crying, his hands raised, speaking in tongues. He said, Pastor, pray for me. I laid my hand on his forehead, and we had a 15-minute prayer break right there in the Y parking lot with people stepping around us. And the problem was I knew they didn't understand, but I know light. And I was releasing light, and the power of God was present to heal. And we got a victory. You know what? That guy didn't bother me for years. And the church is in revival. He tried to come in a year ago. Literally. Had his little black hat on, a little witch stick. All of our people are like, hey, Pastor. Look at I found out one of my new convert ministry and training guys invited him. Literally, I'm in prayer, and the Lord says, look up. I looked up. He didn't say, look out. He said, look up, because if we get the right perspective with our eyes, authority comes with it. So I looked up, and I saw this guy, and I chuckled. So I walked to the door, and the guy, he's like trying to weasel. I mean, just really, literally, just trying to weasel into the sanctuary. He's wanted to get in there to a stronghold. I said, hey, remember me? No. I'm like, yes, you do. I said, we met in the white parking lot a couple of years ago. Does that make you better than me? I said, no, it just gives me more authority. He looked at me, he said, well, I don't have to stay for church. I said, you're not invited. He said, all right. He started to walk out. And on the way out of the church, I promise you, the guy went like this. Like he was going to kick the dust off his feet. I laughed so hysterically at him. And as he walked down the street, he looked like a little tiny mouse. (laughs) Because hell has no power over life. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail. The poor guy tried to open up a door to come on in. Isn't that fun? It's awesome. We win. I looked at my life as, as... What the enemy meant for good, God meant for, or what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And the beautiful thing about this new covenant is this. When Jesus professed, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it was following a statement he made, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And he said, the one promise he made to the laborers I will give you rest. That is the very same word that's used in Isaiah 28. This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. 
I submit to you today that there are a lot of puppets that have some toxicity to them. They tell you that you're not responsible for your own salvation, that your works don't matter, and that you can't save yourself. But there was a guy who understood light. His name was Peter. And if you would look in Acts chapter 2, and you would read in verse 38, you would see that because he had preached Jesus, he had preached rest to them. And he identified that they had crucified the very man that God had made, both man and Christ. It so provoked them to say, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now what he said was, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, some people confuse the gift of the Holy Ghost with tongues. You naturally receive tongues when you're baptized because there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So when I'm baptized in water, I am promised I'm going to be baptized by the Spirit because it's one and the same in God. But the gift of the Holy Ghost is eternal life. Let it sink in just for a minute. Are you saying that we don't need to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? No, I'm saying there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That when we decide to allow ourselves to be immersed, what we're doing is we're telling our flesh, you no longer have a covenant with death. Because I use my flesh through the power of submission and obedience to God's word to let it go down into his death. That's why he uses water. That's why he uses baptism. He could have used anything, you know, throw a salt shaker over your shoulder, you know, hang a spoon on your nose. He's God, he could do anything. But what he was trying to reveal is water and the fact that he used it for judgment early when he flooded the earth and he destroyed all flesh, he gives us the opportunity to identify with him and covenant with life. That's why he said, he that believeth then is baptized shall be saved, but toxic pulpits tell you baptism is, this, is not an essentiality because they've never entered life. They don't understand. They're not bad people. They're doing really good, but they're, they're living 95% of the word. That's why they got 95% of the freedom. But when you come into the entirety of the word, you understand this, that Jesus is trying to give us liberty to covenant with life. That's why we are to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Because that's where the agreement is. You, if you're still living in sin, you're in agreement with Adam and you're gonna get what that will get you. But Jesus came, the Bible calls him the second Adam, doesn't it? Because it's an opportunity for a new covenant. So when people look at me and say, aren't there many ways to heaven? I, I, I say, well, there's your way and my way, but both of them end in the same stop. It's called the cross and you've got to accept it and you've got to carry it. It's amazing that the cross came before his death, but the cross comes to us after our death. The cross is an indication that we came out of the tomb, but the cross was the opening door. It was the key that he could go into the tomb. So we walk in life when we use the cross to make all of our decisions. Jesus said, the only way you get rest is by agreeing with me. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Well, what is that rest? Oh, you mean I cannot be ashamed that I'm not gonna quit my sin? No, that would, be, that would be counterintuitive to a God who's omniscient. He knows that if I stay in my sin, I will never enjoy life of freedom. He 
knows that if I, he understands sin is death, but righteousness is life. And we can enter into it, but in order to get started, in John chapter three, we started talking about Nicodemus, a ruler of religion. You're a man sent from God. Nobody can do these works except God be with him. And Jesus looked at him. It's, it's like, you know, I, I don't hear a question in that. I hear a, a revelation. Jesus said, except a man is born again. Hmm. Challenging the authority of religion. Say that you were born once unto death. But now you could choose to be born unto life. Our Savior, our Lord, the one who carried the name wherein the flesh bore the power of reconciliation. The Bible says God was in Christ reconciling himself, reconciling the world unto himself because the world was dead. We need life. He hid it through the veil of Christ's flesh. So Jesus is provoked in his flesh. He says, a man must be born again. And he was enjoying the dialogue because then, of course, our buddy went to where toxic pulpits go. Uh-huh. He asked the question, how can a man be born again? Toxic religion says, why do you feel you have to be born again? Ow. Toxic religion says, we'll tell you how you're born again. Anything from shake the preacher's hand. Hallelujah, brother, welcome to the body. You can never lose your salvation. And don't worry about works, they can't help you. Do you know that that actually exists? Some of them are like, you must pray a prayer. Pray with me. Lord, I am a sinner. Okay. I'm all for it. But repentance is name your sin. I'm a heathen. I'm an adulterer. I'm a fornicator. I'm a liar, God. And you are life, and I want life. So we absolutely confess our faults, if we confess our faults, not if I agree with the preacher who's gonna try to milk it out and make it so nobody's offended in the preaching of the word. Let me tell you, I am constantly, my flesh is always chafed by the word of God, but I'm alive inside. And my spirit says, I love this. And my soul says, I love this. And so my flesh says, oh, well, let's just go along with it. And pretty quick, I'll erupt in praise. I'll erupt in worship because I'm hearing life as the preacher preaches the knowledge and the doctrine of heaven. I don't enjoy it when my flesh wants hell. Religion is man's way of excusing righteousness. It's man's rules on how you must approach God. There's a dear lady here last night or two nights ago talking about how the, the priest said that she had to confess to him. And she's like, no, I'm going to confess to God. I think it's you. That was you, wasn't it? Rebel. He still performed the marriage. Reluctantly, there you go, see. No, you must go through man. We're like, no, I'm going through the God man. Jesus further clarified what he said. How, how can a man be born? He, he used his own knowledge. Do I have to go the second time into my mother's room? And all the women said, please, Lord, no. 
I mean, it was bad enough in the garden, let alone, yeah, your 50-year-old son when he decides to turn from God. Men, mothers would be praying their children through young. Get them while they're like that big. Fake the tongues, whatever. I just don't want you to be 6'5", 270 pounds and go into the womb again. There was no womb, no womb in the womb. Some mothers would say, I'm just sorry, son. You're going to have to go to... Because it ain't happening today. But the womb of the church is big enough. Jesus said, no, you can't deal with it along your mom. You know why? Because that's flesh that's covenanting with death. It's not about your mama's womb. It's about the crucifixion tomb. You got to go through the process I gave you and I'm going to give you. So you must be born of water and of the spirit. You know why? Because the water birth is we judge ourselves by the penalty that he gave to flesh. But spirit birth is where we allow him to bring new life to us. I am no longer in a covenant with death. They can't entertain me. They can't call to me. They don't commandeer my time anymore. I said, I, I don't have cookies on my phone. I got manna. Just use it for righteousness. Refuse, because you're a child of light. Brother Kylie, I've got a new covenant. That's why we must be born of water and spirit. That's why there isn't alternatives. That's why going down in titles doesn't release the name. I mean, it's not like we've got a right to boast scripturally but it's like we've got a responsibility to teach with love because I know a lot of good people that are 95% there, but we need to release the name. After his death, burial, and his resurrection, he said to the believers, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me because he recognized that his flesh was alive. And the power and the authority of heaven and earth is when we bring our flesh into what the Bible says is subjection. And we love the preaching. And we bless the preacher. I remember when I finally started making a couple of shekels. An usher came to me. Now, you don't have any of this problem here. An usher came to me and said, there's a lot of money in that tithe check. Are you sure it's all tithe? I said, brother, let me ask you a question. Where does the tithe go? Well, that's the pastor's fund. I said, wait just a minute. Let me increase that amount. And yes, it's all in tithe. An usher, who was a trustee, he didn't have a covenant with life because he would have appreciated the man of God. Because the preacher is a gift Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Talk about apostolic. I was bragging on Brother Kylie, to Brother Kylie. He doesn't take that very well. But my wife pulled up and, and we looked at this beautiful facility and we, she said, wow. I said, it's all because brother and sister stepped out. The word has become flesh. 
well, boy, he's should break it on the preacher. Well, I give him, my tithes built this. No, sir. God provided you an income, and your tithe is allowing the temple to stand. But none of us built anything. We need to appreciate our preachers because they bring the word of a new covenant. It goes a lot deeper, deeper than an experience with Christ. That's why song service isn't enough. You're going to find the body of Christ. You know, the, the people that are outside, the toxic pulpit churches are going to move more and more towards music, more and more towards lighting. Uh, there's a church in our city that, you know, they've got a really big crowd, but all they do is in their Sunday school, they use the Avengers, and Thor is Jesus. I wish I were kidding. And it's very good people. And man, they can pack it out. They've got a light system that is unbelievable. They've got a sound system that's unbelievable. Uh, you know, they have these big groups come into our little town and do concerts and they gather and all they want to do is have the presence of God without allowing the power of change. But why would God leave us in death if he is a covenant keeper and he wants to give us life? You're sitting here right now. You may be a little religiously confused. And that's the problem with religion is it does confuse us. But please hear the word of the Lord. Acts chapter two was a message of covenant of life to the children of Israel. And there's such a revival in Israel now, in the, the Jewish nation, such a revival going on. They're accepting Jesus. Uh, they're accepting that name. And they know all about him. There's some interviews that people have done with people in Israel and in Jerusalem in particular with going around the streets and, and they're forbidden to read Isaiah 53. It's considered the forbidden chapter. And so these these. The Jewish boys that have received the Holy Ghost and the rabbis in training. So those, if you ever meet a rabbi, they know everything about everything. And I'm not kidding you. They really study. They know a lot. But these boys got redirected because they received the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in Jesus' name. Now they're going through Jerusalem and they're talking about all of these things that the Jewish people believe. And then they're like, do you know the forbidden chapter? Would you mind if I read you the forbidden chapter? And they read the chapter and 100% of the people that they read it to, who does that describe? And they all go, it describes Yeshua, but we're not supposed to talk about him. Brother Kylie, it describes Yeshua. My parents told me about Yeshua, but... And the, 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 the young ministers are like, yes, but now we have the name. And all of these people, regardless of what walk of life, tears... And they begin to pray, and they begin to reach out to Jesus because he's been concealed from them. But to us today, life is revealed... Jesus said it this way, not me, it's not my opinion, it's not Brother Cordell or Brother Kylie's opinion, it is the opinion of the Lord of the universe. There's a reason that he trusted Peter, not only because Peter saw who he was and he said, the revelation you got came from heaven, so the language you're gonna speak is gonna come from heaven. Finally, I can release it because Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church Try to find any other place where the word church is, is used in the Bible before that. And he said, I'm gonna build my church, which means that we have to ascribe to his teachings if it's his church. Peter lived with him for over three years. Morning, noon, and night. 
I mean, when we have a great service and we've got an hour in the Holy Ghost, when it's really falling, those of you that know what I'm talking about, the presence of God, the real, that power is so awesome. It transforms us. Peter and the rest of the apostles hung out with that power for three years. He dies, he's resurrected, he commissions them, says, hell can't, hell can't stop you. The first thing Peter does is tell him, you crucify the Lord of glory. And then he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua. Jehovah's become your salvation and receive the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that they responded favorably to that message. And you know why it happened? Because in the upper room, the Holy Ghost had fallen. They were speaking in tongues. Doctrine was being released. And Peter released doctrine in Acts 2 to the children of Israel. Acts 10, what happened? Cornelius, the, the Italian band. We're all of the Italian band. We're all Gentiles. But what happened in that room when Peter was called to go preach there? The Holy Ghost fell while he was still preaching because Peter maybe had a little bit of religious bias or maybe even just a little bit of racism in him. But he was, before he could actually finish, the Holy Ghost fell and they heard them speak with tongues. Heaven opened. The covenant fell. Baptism was available. So then Peter said, hey, what can, how, how can we, since the Lord opened heavenly baptism, how can we forbid earthly baptism? And they were all baptized in the name of the Lord. Those were all the Gentiles. It was released, an open door, life now to the Gentiles. And then in Acts 19, you look, Paul went into Ephesus and he found certain disciples of John and I'm almost done, so if the musicians want to come very, very slowly. I might hit inspiration, not inspiration, just ah. But the reality becomes this. Acts chapter 19, the disciples of John Jesus said there isn't anything, anyone greater than John until now. The guy had power and they went and they found his disciples. Paul walks up on him and he says, hey, how are y'all doing? Oh, we're just doing fine. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Or are you still going to the Baptist church? John the Baptist, hey, look, I didn't say anything about a denomination there. I'm biblically accurate right there. Because they said what's true in the toxic pulpit, we haven't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And yet we're here proclaiming life every day. He said, oh, just a minute, let me fix that. And he touched them with the power. Laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Now watch what happens here. And then what were you baptized unto? Well, John baptized under repentance, so we were baptized under John's baptism. I mean, you would think any old baptismal formula would work, wouldn't you? We like to say, well, at least they got wet in, in, in the name of something. At least, at least there was a name attached. They used the name of repentance. But Paul, the apostle, to the Gentiles said, wait a minute. There was one coming after John who was greater than him whose shoes latched, John said, I couldn't even touch his shoes. And the Bible tells us that they rose from that place and they were baptized in the name of the Lord. 
So it happened to the children of Israel, the covenant of Abraham. It happened to the Gentiles, the covenant with life. And they had to redo it when religion pointed them the wrong way. The reason for that is he has designed those that receive new birth to be tougher than hell, to covenant with life, to enjoy doctrine, to enjoy correction. Because we're heading to a heavenly destination. Perfect timing, sister. Perfect timing. We're sitting here, we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I've been born of water and spirit. I got it right. I got the Jesus name part. I got the Holy Ghost. You know, I spoke in tongues 12 years ago. It was awesome. In the writing to Titus, Paul said that we are saved by the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which comes from the times of refreshing in the Spirit of God. When Jesus said, be filled with the Holy Ghost, it wasn't really, it's like, he didn't say, receive the Holy Ghost only. He said, be filled with it. It is his desire that I am so full of the Spirit of life, the Holy Ghost. Holiness is life. Righteousness it's life. Well, I'm sorry. I just don't see it that way. And I say, well, open your eyes, please. Read the word. Well, I don't see it like that in the word. Well, sit down with the Bible study with somebody who does. You'd be just surprised how powerful the word is. I've had a lot of people slam their Bibles. I've had a lot of people go get me their church doctrinal statements and say, see, there are three. I'm like, wait a minute. Are you saying that the church's doctrinal statement is inspired by God if it contradicts what the very word of God says? You know how I know the word of God is true? It works. Just as Isaiah saw it for a stammering lips and another tongue. Will he speak to this people? But he also reveals doctrine because doctrine is life. And he also gives knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We need the apostolic preachers. We need the word of God, but we need for it to become flesh. I don't know where you are in your, in your journey today but I know where your destination is if you're seeking life he's right here I feel him I feel him he's coming right here now he's come to seek and to save that which was lost sin is a pathway of lostness that's why you regret it because he's written your, his laws on your heart. Well, I'm not much of a churchgoer. That doesn't matter. He is. And he's here calling to us today. And what he's calling for is, will you surrender to life? Will you surrender yourself to truth? Will you allow the God of the scripture to become the God of your heart. You know why when we're first in the presence of God, tears start to flow? It's because tears are connected to the heart and the heart has the law already scribed on it. 
It's already there. And so when Brother Kylie or Brother Coral get up and they start preaching, the word through you anointed brethren, it reaches down inside of the human being and it compresses the heart. That's why you know you're full of the Holy Ghost because it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. When I start speaking in tongues, it's because a new heart is in me. It may pump the blood of a man, but it's responding to the voice of a Savior. Maybe you're feeling that right now. Could we all just bow our heads just for a minute? You just talk to God how you're comfortable. This may be real challenging to you today. We do not prescribe ourselves as some kind of righteous judge to say who is and who is not saved. You know, are you saying I'm not going to heaven, pastor or preacher? No, I'm not saying that. I can't say that. I know that when I sit on that, in that room and I stand before him and he looks at the angel, he's not even going to talk to you or me. He's just going to look at the angel. And he's going to ask the angel, is their name written in the Lamb's book of life? Did they say no to death? Did they say no to hell? Did they covenant with me in life? And did their life represent the righteousness of my word? Did they hear my doctrine and receive my knowledge? See, we're not trying to say today that we're the only experience you can have in religion but we're saying he's only building one church. He's only building one church. And we are blessed today to be in his presence. Now, while your heads are bowed, why don't you just lift your hand and let the Lord begin to minister to you. Let's let the power of the Holy Ghost move us. He's reestablishing some patterns in in what the word calls a backslider. I don't call him a backslider. I just just say that they're death livers. And and what you need to do today is you just need to let the God of life begin to speak to your mind and to your heart. He's calling us into life. He said, my words, they are spirit, but they are also life. I'm thankful for doctrine. I'm thankful for the preachers I heard when I was still locked in sin. Their preaching separated me from the very things that would have taken me to hell. I can say today with all confidence that according to the word of God, my life is beginning to shine with his light. Hallelujah, that's right. Now you'll enter his, his presence with praise. Maybe you want to just, just praise him a little bit this morning and then we're just going to go through some repentance. Well, our heads are bowed, if you don't mind. We're just not going to look around at each other. This relationship building stuff is so private. Father, we just praise you for truth. We thank you for revealed truth. We thank you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.